Okay. Hey, hello. It's me. It's Jake. The thing is, I think I turned it on. It's turned on. It all, they all start like this. Don't worry. <laughs> um, yeah, it's episode 200. It's a big 200. I thought it was going to be a different thing, but it's this thing. It's a very special. It's a very special episode. I, I hope so. <laughs> yeah, me too. I hope so too. So it's my, it's my, uh, well, I guess you're my, we've been friends now for a year. Yeah. But we haven't really seen each almost, other for most of it. Almost exactly a year, actually, because yeah. I got a Facebook notification the other day about, because you saw one of the very first performances of my show uh and i got a facebook notification that for that so a facebook notification that i saw your show no for the that first it was time? the first time that the show was on i didn't we didn't oh like, okay so there i was wasn't no, personally like, mentioned we hey i met this amazing american guy <laughs> okay good all right we're jumping ahead a little bit so my guest is uh, zoe coombs mar who i saw last year in melbourne at the comedy festival there i've had some several people so you're you're the most recent guest from the melbourne comedy festival so but this is the beginning of episode 200 so i usually start off by i would plug my gigs and then right. invite you to plug your gigs and then you won't be able to hear it but i've got some theme music that can play while we're doing it let's see what uh, this is i think this is a good one or no this one so I'm going to be uh, next weekend, this will be April 8th, I'm going to be at the Boca, the Black, the Boca Black Box Theater. I, the guy emails me yesterday, hey, I saw your Facebook video promoting the show, but you're, you said it was the Black Box Theater. There's also a Black Box Theater in Boca Raton, but we're the Boca Black Box. And I was like, fuck, that's confusing. So... <laughs> Anyway, you're going to have to do some Googling and figure this out, because please, I don't want you to go to the wrong place. I don't know what's at that Who other place. Who knows where you're going to show up to? I'm going to go to the right one. Are you I've, sure? I booked a hotel that's across the street from the right one, and I'm still not even sure that I said it right just now, but that's, that's where I'm going to be April 8th, and you're going to be April 5th. In New York. Uh, oh. I will be. Oh, did you just change the music? I just put it back on. It stopped oh, for a second. Right. So. Uh, yeah, I'm going to be in New York on the 5th at uh, UCB Chelsea doing my show Trigger Warning, which is an hour. And uh, I'm also going to be at UCB uh, Franklin in, here in LA uh, tomorrow uh, doing the same show. Right, but that I think that will have happened by the time this Sorry, gets out. Sorry, yeah. you missed it. Well, there's a lot of time machine alerts on this show, so if they do invent a time machine, I encourage you to go to that show. I mean, it may be sold out. We don't know from where we're sitting now. Or if they haven't invented a time machine, there is the plane or the car, depending on where you are, which is a useful machine to get to the show that I'm doing in New York. That would be more... Yeah, yeah, you won't need a time machine for that. That's no. really the easier show of the yeah, two to go to. Even if you live show. in Los Angeles and you're hearing this right now, yeah. hop on a plane and go to New York. If you're that desperate that you're thinking of resorting to a time machine. You don't have to. Right, right. It's a, it's a money saver. Yeah. It's a money saver. And if you are going to go for the time machine, you can wait till whenever, really. Well, come see the show that I saw last year because that was a great night and there were seats available. <laughs> there were. Yeah, you saw, it, you saw it early on. It sold out, I think, after that. Yeah, yeah. I tried to go again and I couldn't get in. No. I couldn't get well, in. Well, I asked them at the door. Like, to block was, me? You were, yeah, you, yeah, they had your picture up at the door. Oh, I've never had that before. I've seen that in so many cop movies where they put a put like this guy keeping an eye out for him. I just, I never thought I would make it to that. So thank you. You're welcome. Yeah, it feels good. Feels good. So I think my wife is going to be there tomorrow night oh, at great. the show that these people can't go to. So you'll get to meet her. She'll come up and say hi. I can't wait. I'll make sure I do like a Facebook thing about it. So in a year's time, I'll know. Right. Yeah. I absolutely. I insist on it. And yeah. if, I, I, if I could be looped in on that, I'm not getting enough notifications from Facebook. And yeah. I know that's a terrible thing to say. You genuinely? You really? I've turned them all off. I've turned them off. What's the point then? I know. Well, if, it got to be out of hand for a while. Oh, you mean like, like notifications that are like... Like your phone your dings phone. and it oh, says, yeah. hey, don't no, forget this. No, turn them off. I don't have them. Well, how did you get a notification then? Oh, you just well, went on when you went on. Well, in the actual thing, it comes up. Okay, yeah. Well, this is this is a little bit too much uh, Facebook admin for the podcast, I think. <laughs> Sorry, I apologies. Think it's, uh, I think it's A-grade material. <laughs> yeah. No, you're right. How do you get your, your Facebook notifications? Yeah, I turned them off. Anyway, so you're here, and, uh, oh, God, we were just having such a good conversation. I feel like I got distracted. I insisted that we plug our gigs, and now we've gone completely off the rails. But you were talking about... You did this great show last year in Melbourne that I just thought was great. Everybody thought it was great. Turns out, I thought I was onto something, but I wasn't. You know, it wasn't like a big 
secret thing that I found out. But you found it out very early on, so you were an early ad- adopter. That's good. That one. But That's yeah, good. it went very well. Thank you for coming. Um, yeah, so I did that, and then I we were yeah we were just talking about how uh, I'm not doing well. I will I will do it again the same show, but I'm not doing a new hour this year because uh, it felt like I would just be setting myself up for failure after having a, a great one. Yeah, well, it's got to be. What does that feel like to try and come back and? I mean, you can't think of it in terms of, oh, I'm going to go back and duplicate what I did. I mean, that, that was such a giant. You won the berry. Yeah, I can't win that again. So uh, it's sort of like this year I kind of, I didn't really have an hour in me, I didn't mm-hmm. feel like. And, uh, and I, did, I did Edinburgh as well So uh, and, and went really well there. And f- <laughs> I feel like such a dickhead. I'm like, it went really well. Um, well no, how I, big was your place? I always like to talk about this. I think. I have some comedian, there's comedians listening and then fans of comedy. So I'm always trying to explain this is how we do it in the States and this is how they do it in other places. And mm. I've never been to Edinburgh. Oh, have But you? I understand that's, if you take Melbourne and multiply it by. Yeah, it's Melbourne on steroids. Or, yeah, it's and crazy. Ice. Yeah, it's nuts. But it's really fun. Uh, but I did like 30 shows in Edinburgh and I got nominated for the, the same thing as the Barry. Didn't win it though. Um, in Edinburgh, and then uh, and then I did t- two weeks straight after that of like so I did six weeks straight of the same show, which was great but intense, and uh, I'm still doing it. But uh, yeah, so I didn't really have time to kind of like come up with a whole new hour, and I didn't really feel like I had anything new to say that I hadn't already said in the last one. I didn't really want to push it, go. Yeah, yeah. Just well, make up something to. And it's, but it's not just an hour of stand-up. It's an, it's a, it's a very theatrical. I, I described it as a s- satire of sexism that's also surreal. I mean, there's parts of it where you kind of, you don't understand what you're watching, and then when you try to imagine what, what you Zoe are going through while you're doing it, it's a little like, what, what, am, what just happened? Is she's another person, <laughs> but she's also herself, and then one of them is on drugs, and oh my god, it was just so great to watch. So I can imagine that to trying to to think, okay, well now what am I going to do next? It's it's a big one. Yeah, yeah. So I'm doing like um, a whole lot of collaborative projects and like some <laughs> collaborative projects. I sound like such a wanker. I'm um, doing like some theater stuff and some like. Still comedy, but kind of like more group stuff because I I wanted to, I like working with other people and I like mm-hmm. kind of uh, pushing things in in different directions and not just trying to do the same thing over and over again. At the same time, it's sort of I feel torn between that um, doing new stuff and kind of keeping those muscles really honed, like the stand up thing and uh, the mm-hmm. the keeping comedy fit. So I kind of I still I'm gigging a bit more as myself now. You're doing your stand-up. Yeah, which is weird. So, so for the for the listeners who don't know, uh, I I perform as a as a guy. I perform as a really awful male stand-up. But I also do it as myself. But I haven't haven't done it for about five years because it was just quite weird, and I felt more. In, I just found like the character was much funnier. So you've just been doing sets as Dave. As Dave, yeah. Right, but the sh- so she plays Dave in this show. Trigger warning, but Dave is uh, anyway. You, I, it's you have to go see it. But when you do stand up, you're not doing bits from Trigger Warning. You're just doing Dave doing stand-up. doing stand up. Yeah, and sometimes I do some bits from from Trigger Warning. But what my favorite thing to do in like a like a club show or whatever when I do that as Dave because the audiences are often bigger and um, they don't. They haven't come for me, and they don't know what to expect, and they're also quite drunk a lot of the time, so they don't realise I'm a woman. So <laughs> I often will have people going like, this guy sucks. Or uh, my girlfriend was once sitting behind a couple uh, who were arguing about whether or not I was a man or a woman. And I'm like, no, I was a dude. No, I was a chick. And then she, she, he won the argument by going like, no, it's a dude. Check out his Adam's apple, and then she's like, "Oh yeah, okay." I'm just laying, looking at your Adam's apple. It doesn't, yeah, it doesn't, I don't feel like you have it. I don't have. One. I feel like he hypnotized his girlfriend at that moment. Yeah. Check out her Adam's apple, and she just backed off. Yeah. She was cowed by it, like, "Oh, Adam's apple." Of course. But you don't have an Adam's apple. Thank you. Yeah. No, you're welcome. Thanks. You're welcome. <laughs> I do notice that you do a little beard effect with Dave. That's kind of both convincing and sort of creepy. It's disgusting. Yeah. Um, 
because he doesn't quite get a complete shave or growth. I mean, it's hard to know exactly if he's going for it or or not or neglecting it. It's just patchy. I think. Yeah, it's this patchy, yeah. uh, patchy neck beard made of hair clippings of my own hair. Uh, so when people ask, people always want to know, like, what's your pre-show ritual and things like that, and I never want to answer it because it's actually me sitting backstage with, like, a, cutting up a bowl of hair with a pair of scissors. Like, you might cut up weed. You bring your own neck hair. So yeah. have you got a bag of your neck hair Well, it's not now? my neck hair. It didn't grow from my neck Oh, right. Originally. I got it. You're going to glue it's it on your neck. It's from my head. It's your future neck hair. Yeah, it's I don't, like, hair. Yeah, cut no, it off I got my it. neck and then glue it I back said on that my wrong. neck. Hmm. Yeah, that would right. be. That'd be a waste of time, really. Yeah, you don't have an Adam's apple, and you do not have neck hair. Not right now. (laughs) Uh, Although I did discover, you know sometimes, and hairdressers get this, like uh, hair clippings can get stuck in your skin like a splinter. Oh, like an ingrown hair, but like someone ingrown, else's hair. But it's yeah, like so. If you cut off a bit of hair, and you can get it, like often uh, hairdressers will get it stuck in their feet or whatever. I found a uh, a hair from me, but it was like a clipping, so it was Dave's hair stuck in my chest this morning uh, when oh. I was showering, and I was like, "Am I growing a chest hair?" And I was like, "No, the chest hair is growing into, into me." You. Isn't that disgusting? It is, but I mean, when you talk about transforming yourself into a character, you're actually, oh, it's very I'm really creepy. really absorbing it's a little the creepy. character. This is a little too, like, I, the Fly is such an old movie now, but I don't know if you ever saw it. <laughs> but it's, yeah, I hope that's not happening. I hope yeah. you're not turning into Dave. I know. Well, when I've been doing stand-up as myself, I keep having these really weird um, moments where I'll do something... Like, because Dave is such a hack, like, he does all the, you know, like, I'll make him move the microphone stand and, like, lean on it, but sort of too much in, like, an over overly rehearsed type of way. And it's become so uh, ingrained in, in me and my mannerisms when I'm on stage that I'll find myself accidentally doing it and then going... When you're you. When I'm me and then going, oh, my God, that's not... That's... I didn't do that. That was Dave. That's a little <laughs> glitch. Now, you, now you're having a brain glitch. I know. I'm like, who am I? Well, so that was, that's what I was going to say when you were talking earlier about going on stage and doing stand-up as Dave. So people are deciding whether you're a guy yeah. or, or a woman. Yeah. But they're also deciding, like, Dave is terrible. Yeah, he's terrible. So if they think, if they don't get that this is a woman doing a character, then they just think they're watching a terrible stand-up, right? Yeah, it's great. But it's always, like, it's, it's fun because the audience is always really split. There'll be people who get it immediately and they're like, oh, this is really funny. And so then all the jokes of, like, what... There's a, it's a fine line with doing something terrible because it has to be it has to be clever and it has to be good terrible. You can't just get up and just be bad because that would just be really boring. Um, so for the people who get it, they're like, "Oh, this is great!" And you'll have these hysterical pockets of laughter. And then people in the audience who don't know what's going on, who are not only annoyed at me but also confused as to why the pockets of laughter are happening. So yeah, it's yeah. kind of great. I really enjoy it. Um, I once got taken off stage by security who thought that because I fall over and bleed from the head and uh, I was doing a bit and someone ran out and got security and was like, this guy's fallen over, he's like really badly concussed on stage and they came in and came onto the stage not knowing what was going on. The and, security like, didn't even understand what was going on. didn't know what was going on because he just came in and then had to like help me off stage. It was amazing. <laughs> I don't know if amazing is how I would describe it. I mean, it must have felt super weird in the room, but you loved it. I loved it. It was great. It was like one of the best gigs I've ever done. Uh-huh. So so then was it disappointing when, when your show became so successful and people got it? No, I mean, no, that is, that, that, I mean, that's, that just feels nice. That's just good. Yeah, so yeah, you, can, you kind of can't lose with this show because if people get it, it's great. Yeah, and I mean, if some people don't get it, it almost is also great. It's great. I mean, that's more with like club spots and stuff. Like right. When people don't get it, that's fine. Um, but it's it's like because I'm just coming in and setting off a little bomb and then running away with mm-hmm. the with the full show. I like to think that people know what they're coming for. If they didn't, they, they would be pretty stupid. It does happen. It does happen. Yeah, it's but there are lots of stupid people out there. As we know, if they, they if are. You don't get my show, you're a stupid <laughs> idiot. But thank you for coming. <laughs> thanks for the ticket money. Yeah, thanks for the ticket money. And I'm trying the best I can. That's how I feel. Like, look, you bought a ticket to see my show, and this is it. There's not another show that I do. Like, if the crowd goes, oh, we're not really enjoying this, then, I, then it's not like, oh, okay. I'll well, then I'll it. do the other show that I do. I don't, I don't have another one. No. 
Yeah. So when you say you're doing collaborative shows, are you doing shows where it's you and other people doing interlock? You're involved in what they're doing, or is it you go on, then they go on, then they? No, like interlock. So we all write together and uh, perform together. So I've done uh, sort of in two shows this year. One which has already happened, which is with a with these two two girls who I've worked with for twelve years. So we sort of started out together making kind of like comedy theatre, performance arty type of stuff. And uh, we just made a show which is uh, 12 years of, well, sort of like a decade, basically, loosely, of uh, our conversations, which we'd recorded while making other shows. And uh, we had all these accidentally recorded conversations from when we were like, I'm 19 in the first one, so then all the way through to when we're like in our, our 30s, uh, early 30s. Was it hard to go back and listen to all those conversations? I mean, to, because <laughs> you're trying bit. to glean out just a few little jokes, but you must have to listen to hours of talking. Uh, like hundreds of hours, yeah. Some of it we'd already listened to because it was for, that's like the way that we were writing scripts as well, uh-huh. um, which is, you know. Oh, so the conversations were conversations where you were trying to trying. write and come up with ideas. So. Yeah, so. Three. Oh, I, so, the, so they're a little more interesting than just. Just boring. Than this. <laughs> Imagine recording a conversation. Uh, yeah, they were like um, conversations about all sorts of dumb stuff and we're all, you know, uh, funny people who are having dumb conversations trying to make each other laugh and, and then occasionally slipping off topic. And this show was made of all the bits where we're off topic. So we're talking about a lot of talking about going to the toilet, a lot of talking about our bodies and, like, relationships that we were in. The mm-hmm. most disturbing thing was that we have the same conversations over and over again. Over 10 years, it's it's recurring. Without realizing that we're just repeating the same story. It's because you're crazy, right? It's because... Or I you're not making progress. Do you feel like you're not making progress? No, no progress at all. We haven't really... People are like, oh, wow, was it really interesting to see how much you've changed? And I was like, no, because we sort of really haven't. We've just gotten older. <laughs> <laughs> so, that, so that's the but sort of But you seem like you've embraced it. You're happy about it. So yeah, yeah. I think getting older is... It's great. Yeah, You'd like to fine. change a little bit, but you've got time. Ten years, that's nothing. Yeah. It's like, yeah. It's, we've changed a bit, you know. It took you the first ten years to realize that you weren't really applying yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And, <laughs> and now, now, imagine ten years from now, oh, it's going to be completely different. Totally, totally different. We'll have, like, a new set of five stories that we tell each other. And the, are, the, are the other two uh, women, are they stand-ups as well? Or? No, neither do they do stand-up. They're more, like, in the sort of theater performance world, and I'm the odd one out of going like mm, I like doing stand-up I like comedy yeah well that was the great thing about your show was it was stand-up but beyond stand-up I mean that was that was one of the fun things to me about going to the festival and, and I've said this on here before is is just to see all these other possibilities besides the way that we do it in the states is there's comedy clubs and you know you go there generally for four or five nights, and you're doing six shows. So I just finished a run where I had three weeks in a row where I did six shows in Minneapolis, and then I did um, six shows in, or six in Denver, six in Minneapolis, and then six little one-nighters. So over the over the course of it, I did 18 shows in three weeks. But it, but it was just a kind of a different experience because in a stand-up show, everybody's doing stand-up. The club is always doing stand-up. But in the Melbourne festivals, I felt like doing stand-up. The guy who interviewed me basically said, so you, you're just basically a stand-up. I was yeah. like, well, yeah. Well, yeah. A, I mean, it's a comedy festival, and it's I'm doing comedy. I flew all the way down here. <laughs> Did you feel like that was like a slight? It was like, I played just it, a stand-up. I played it as the beginning of my show, yep. the, my interview with him, just because it was like, he first he said it, and then I said, "Well, yeah." And then he goes, "Well, I don't mean anything in offense, but there's a woman who comes out with little musical instruments in her show, and I talk to someone else who's reduced to tears by the end of their show, and I go, well, I guess I'm just stand-up.'" And then and he goes, "Well, all right, you know." So then yeah. I would say, "Okay, are you excited? Here I come." And then yeah. I'd walk out. Because- See, it's interesting. I like because I really uh, obviously the stuff I do is like quite weird, and there's a lot of elements involved and all that sort of stuff. But I love just really like pure stand-up as well I really like doing it and I really like watching it um and there's part of me I think like you've got such a like it's such a different system over here in the states but it's like kind of great as well because 
there is that real honing of an instrument that I kind of like, I, which I love. And I really crave as well, especially when I was younger. I really, really wanted to be able to get that sort of like uh, that stage time and that, that experience and to get really good at it, which never, which was always really difficult for me to kind of, because there was like not very many opportunities and because I was, you know, um, a little bit different and uh, never really quite fit into that mould. I could never really kind of get a hold of that regular regular thing, it's particularly in Sydney. And this is like 10, 12 years ago that I first started. Because there you basically got the – Sydney and Melbourne are the two big cities. I yeah. mean, I went to Adelaide, which is – that sucks. I had a great, I had a great time there, and, and Craig, I can't remember Craig's last name right off the top of my head, but I stayed at his house and I did the Rhino Room and and a couple of these other little one nighter things, and it was really fun. Mm. But I thought, oh, Adelaide is their third city, but it's really much smaller and and yeah. very different. Like in the states, I'm trying to think of what place it would be like, but it but it's smaller than you know it's 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 not it's, really a city it doesn't really feel like like australia has sydney's a city melbourne's a city and then everything else is sort of like a very big country town in australia so we don't we i mean we have a tiny population we've got yeah like, yeah it's a great place I, I i loved australia and mm. i really want to go back i would love to be able to do the, the the tour thing and see some other parts of the country you know yeah oh it's beautiful it's amazing it's an amazing country and there's like i you know i love living there and i like a lot of this stuff of like performing and working there as well but there it is really different and i think there's a lot of people you sort of have to carve out your thing particularly because we do like a festival thing um but right. you, you kind of go okay this is going to be my show and it's going to be this big statement and it's going to be doing all this really interesting stuff so that people will come right you're trying to attract people out to your show but then even like i realized i'm doing i was doing a show in a in a hundred seat room so if i had sold it out for 22 shows that would be 2200 people yeah here in the states, you you would have over, that would be less than the amount of people would come on two weekends at, a, at at comedy clubs here. Yeah. But there, you're doing your festival run, and you basically do, would do. I mean, I'm curious. What so on a regular year where you have your festival show, you'd run it in Melbourne. Then then you'd be done in Melbourne, wouldn't you? Or maybe you'd do it one or two other times during the year there, and that would be it. That would be it. Yeah, you probably wouldn't do it other times during the year. You'd probably do. I mean, I've done things a little bit differently because I tend not to just, like, do the every year and do the festival and only do comedy shows because I feel like there's not enough of an audience for me just to do one thing. So that, I think that's why I'm like, oh, I'll do a theatre thing and I'll do, like, a comedy thing and a mm-hmm. writing or whatever. Uh, well, that's my point is because you're trying to get you... the same people who are your fans to come back and see you again, which is what we're doing here in the States, but... When I go to some place like Minneapolis, which I mentioned, which is, you know, probably a little bigger than Adelaide, but it's a place where when I go there, the the people who are out at the show, you know, those however many people come during the week, 1,000, 1,200 people, yeah. they are not the same next year as they were this year. I'll have people, some some people come back every year, but it's much more common for people to come every other year, every three years. So, and is the, that because they're like a sort of a ready-built type of audience attached to the, the venue? The venue's got there. its own audience. And then then also, you know, people are busy. And, and comedians here, I feel like I'm generally been turning over over my career. I turn it over the hour, like 20 minutes a year. So after three years, it's yeah. all new, give or take. Some years, two years, it's all no show. Some years... yeah. Uh, Three. And so, and it's, and it's incremental. So if you came to see me six months from now, there would be a new 10 minutes that's kind of rotating in all the time. So it's, yeah. a, it's a, it's a new concept that I kind of like the, the Australian and British idea of, of turning it over every year because you have the advantage of next time you come back to the town, you can say to everybody who likes you, like, look, it's all new. Yeah. You you don't have to wait till next year or or go well I don't want to pay because I'm not sure if I saw it or not 
you come out. So, so that's the advantage yeah. of it. But the disadvantage is, as you and I know, it takes a long time to like get, you know, an hour of really good stuff. Like it takes so long to write a joke and hone a joke and well, all that sort of stuff. So it's and to try it with an audience and to find it. So it sort of it does mean I think that <laughs> well you see a lot of shows that are like an hour they are an hour long but they don't necessarily <laughs> have an hour worth of material in them. Yeah, which yeah. is why I'm not doing a new show this year because it'd be like four jokes and just like fifty minutes of faffing around. Well and I did hear and I did hear people talking about they would come out and at the beginning of the festival run, they're still figuring out the rest yeah. of the show. Because that's, that's the that's the other disadvantages you have is that who do you get to come and see you while you're working on it? Because you want them to come and see it when it's done, but they're not going to come twice. Yeah, so there's like you go to Perth and that'll be the really, really new stuff and then you go to Adelaide and then you'll be working it out a little bit more there. Adelaide used to be the place where people would go to work out their shows and to break mm-hmm. them in, but it's sort of not quite like that anymore because it's a bit more competitive for audiences so yeah and people will do trial shows and stuff it also depends on like how much of an audience you have or how you know yeah. how experienced you are um but if you want to yeah. see a truly raw show go to perth go to perth yeah go to perth <laughs> that's where everybody's working it out yeah which can be really fun as well yeah i yeah, I've, I've listen to all those places perth and darwin those are the places that i want to go see yeah and alice springs the, the kind of places that seem like they're out on the edge of nowhere that's i want to i'm just so curious about that now after my experience down there um but yeah i think it's interesting to hear you say that because i i rarely hear comics from australia and britain admit to that because they're so used to turning it over in in a year yeah but i feel what you said is very true that that some story you can have a great three-minute story yeah in in six months but that same three-minute story if you keep working on it and it gets attached to other things and it grows and it all at once over the course of two years, it can turn into there's more laughs per minute. And instead of a three minute story, it's a 12 minute story. Yeah. And it's got a real arc to it. Yeah, it's and got it's, layers. It's complex. And yeah. there's like little intricacies to it. I think that's the thing of uh, and some people it depends on the type of comedy you're doing as well. Like some people can turn around an hour really easily but it's it's i mean your main kind of collaborator is the audience as well so it's really about like spending that time with with an audience and honing that stuff um and that's something i mean my show trigger warning right is you know it was a new show um which from let's say a year old uh, and it's the same show, more or less. I mean, I change it a little bit. It's a year old now. It's a year old But when now. I saw it, you'd only it was, done it a few times. Yeah, but that character, Dave, I've been doing for five years in different guises. And I did a, sh- a previous hour with that character. And there are certain things within that that I developed by doing that show for about three years um, that then is sort of in this show as well. So it's kind of... it's. Even though it's sort of not like just the incremental changes, like it doesn't happen in the same way as what you were saying with your stuff, but it sort of is as well. There's like little little bits that have been sort of built up and and, yeah. and and gathered that make that. So it's really like it's a show that took me about five years, but I only officially did it last year. I would be, I would be really interesting interested to to have seen some of how that process and evolution work because when I saw the show and, and if you're listening to this and you're in New York and it's not been April 5th yet, you need to buy it's $7. I think for a ticket to this thing, if you do not go to this show at UCB in New York, you're cheating yourself. It's so it's really incredible. And that's what I thought when I was watching it, it's like, how did you, I'm I'm not literally asking you now, but I'm I'm (laughs) saying that's what I, that's what I thought. But when you're watching it, you wonder like how how do you figure out that there's there's these surreal connections and loopbacks in the psychology of what's going on and the events of what's happening on the show and it's per- parenthetical, you know, it's in things inside of things that that are it gets meta at a point yeah. <laughs> that that you can't where it almost turns itself inside out. Yeah. And uh, it's just something that's amazing to watch and to and then to realize that it's not just happening to you. 
in the audience is happening to you, Zoe, on stage. And that and that's a reality that I hope that I'm even kind of putting pointing a finger at. Go see it. But I nearly pulled. I thought it was it was too crazy for me. I was like, "This is bonkers." I was looking genuinely into pulling it out of the comedy festival. I was like, "I can't do this in front of people. It's crazy. It's never going to work." It's like it's too. I was like, "I've gone mad. I've actually gone insane." Well, that's what it it, it felt like tying or untying a knot that was super complicated. You know, like some kind of just like. But the thing that was amazing about it was that, that, what I just said, but also you can follow it, you know, it's oh, not, yeah. it's not it's, like you have to be a PhD and it's not like you're sitting, it's not like reading some Thomas Pynchon book where you're like, what the fuck am I, you got to go no, back well, five pages. it's got to be funny, like it's good. No, no, know, but what I'm yeah, saying yeah. is, what I'm saying is. The people, laughs per minute. Got to make sure you got your LPMs in there, mate. Right, right. I didn't have you on the clock, but you won't want to put it on a clock when you go see it. You'll be having so much fun. But, but what I meant more was, yeah, I'm sorry because I hate that when people do that to me in interviews. I go, oh, your show, it's it's you do kind of intellectual comedy. I go, hang on, it's still fun. It's funny. You drunk, stupid people enjoy my show all the time. You don't have to be smart. You just have to be quiet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, it, I mean, it's. And it's not like the two things are, are, are separate. They're not mutually exclusive for something to be, like, clever and intellectual and well-made. And accessible. And also yeah. accessible and stupid. My show is the, it's the fucking stupidest thing ever. Like, I'm, like, walking around talking on a banana phone with a pair of clown pants on, just mugging at the audience. Like, well, that's what I... That's another thing that I found about it, was it's surreal and super silly... And you're making this point about sexism, but at the same time, the sexist guy, Dave, yeah. is completely likable to yeah. me. Yeah, yeah. Mean, everyone <laughs> likes him. Everyone's really conflicted by that. Everyone's like, well, I really liked him. I have to say, you know, it was really me. <laughs> it was really me. That's yeah. okay, you're allowed to like him. He's, even his, he's not real. Even his beard you, is you. Yeah, it's, yeah it is. Oh, I just that I'm just flashing back to that ingrown hair clipping thing. Isn't it disgusting? So how you're did the you... first person I've told that to. So uh, thank you. Yeah, that's thank you. It's a real treasure. <laughs> I've got to get this out before you it's do a, another podcast. It's a scoop. Yeah, can you give me a week? <laughs> I just put an episode out today, so I want to give it a week. All right, exclusive. Yeah, okay, good. I really appreciate that. Um, so, what got you talking to barbers about that? That's the other. Th- that's the other thing I liked about that story. Where you're saying this is the thing that happens to barbers. Did you did you experience ingrown hairs and then talk to barbers and say, "Is this?" No, I just remember someone saying it about a friend of mine is a hairdresser and was like, "Oh yeah, I get like hair stuff." Like he, it just had. Um, yeah, I'd heard it from my friend yeah. who's, who is a who's a hairdresser. Did it yeah. ever occur to you to just buy some kind of fake beard and glue it on? Because no, it, from the beginning it was always. Even when Dave was in a very embryonic stage, it was uh, I thought it would be really funny just to glue hair onto my face. <laughs> I just thought it was yeah. It's, there's something yeah, so gross about it. And as soon as I glue it on there, I'm just like, oh, he's there, right? I know exactly who that guy is with like the weird patchy sideburns and a, a goatee and a, a neck beard. Yeah. Just like. I, I just know him. So there's so after every show there's the cleanup because I remember that when I after I saw it I had to stay to say hi and how much I enjoyed it. But there was a there was a period of time while you've got to get all that off. Yeah, it's gross. Right? It's and also really there's gross. blood as you mentioned. Spoiler yes. alert: so, yes, there will be blood. There will be blood, uh, and there's some vomit in there as well. So it's very intellectual. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I I end up I just did a season in London and I had forgotten this thing that. When I am doing numerous shows, I'll be able to get it all off, but the blood actually sort of starts to slowly stain my face, so I start to look like I have like a really weird sunburn or like, birthmark or yeah, whatever. Yeah, just like yeah. I just just or I'm very embarrassed. I mm-hmm. just look really, really kind of red all the time, or like it's a really bad spray tan. It goes a little bit orange. Have you ever taken niacin? This is a bit of, now we're on a tangent. Niacin, that's in like Nutrigrain, isn't it? Is that like a... It's like a kind of vitamin uh, B, I think. Yeah. yeah. Does it send you orange? Or? It, it, you get this, they call it a niacin flush, but someone had recommended niacin to me, and I, <laughs> and I took it. They, they said, oh, you get the 100 milligram pill, and you take it, 
and it's it's supposed to be good for your circulation. It opens up your capillaries or whatever. But I take it, and I'm like, oh, I'm fine. And it takes long enough to happen that you forget that it's going to happen. Yeah. And all at once, you're like, God, I feel hot. My face is tingly. And then you look in the mirror, and you're just completely red. Oh, my God. That it's, does not sound good. That sounds it's like insane. it's opening up your capillaries too much. That yeah. sounds like, are you sure you're not going through menopause? Mm, it sounds no. a lot like As menopause. a matter of fact, I'm not sure. <laughs> when did you get your last period? Next question. <laughs> uh, my periods are so erratic. Um, I feel like I do have some kind of... There's some hormonal thing that happens with guys that is... Like male menopause? Well, not menopause, I don't think. But, well, but there's, some, there's, that, there's that unexplained mood. I mean, it could just be I'm clinically depressed on some level. Yeah, maybe you're just like cranky. But it'll blow it. Yeah. Well, I feel like, isn't it better? What, what would you rather, just be cranky from time to time or be able to say, oh, that's my period? That's, yeah. Oh, for sure. The period option is, well, it's, I mean, it's, it, that's the one good thing about it is that you would go like, oh, God, why do I feel insane? Am I insane? Am I, oh, am I spiraling into a pit of depression? And it's like, oh, no, it's just my body. That's yeah, good. See, you that's can write a, it off. It's kind of a relief, right? You can, you can whereas if you're, if yeah. you're just... Uh, so when I'm Whereas feeling depressed, cranky, it's like maybe, like, maybe I have to kill myself now. No, you don't. <laughs> don't, don't kill yourself. Don't, don't, don't kill do yourself. No. Well, I mean, men have hormones as well. It's all hormone stuff, isn't it? Yeah. I cry at uh, television commercials sometimes. Well, they're trying, to make, they're trying to make me cry. I am really susceptible to that stuff as well. And particularly like kids' movies on planes. Oh, I watched Moana on the plane on the way over here. Oh, and I, I wept like a baby. I haven't seen it, but Dwayne The Rock Johnson is, I just, I love that guy. It's really good. Is it? I, I really like, I mean, it's, uh, you know, it, it's got some issues with cultural appropriation and stuff, but it's still really nice. Now, it's this really is good. the thing. I don't understand all of the stuff. No one does. No one does. Okay, that's I good, because I don't understand all the stuff about sexism and racism and cultural appropriation of what's going on now. And I, and I, I think, well, of course, we all like to think of ourselves as one of the good ones. Yeah. You know, who's not doing that kind of stuff. But sometimes I see people calling foul on other people for doing something where it's like, I can't, I don't even understand. I don't know what that thing is. What's that rule that has been broken? Yeah, yeah. I think we're in a really confusing time right now because uh, uh, the, way that, the way that people deal with politics has changed. The method has changed and the ideology has changed. So where it's like uh, there's a generational difference in how liberals deal with um, issues. So people who are in sort of uh, liberal arts colleges and stuff now, like young people, people who are at college and, and, um, and around that age, have a completely different approach than, than any generation before. And so there's this real big gap you where they have even these... You think even than yourself? Because, you're, myself, yeah, because I mean, you're a young... Yeah, I'm 32. So right. I, I grew up, like I had the internet at high school. I got the internet mm -hmm. in high school. So I kind of like, but my upbringing is still, this change has been really, really new. So it's like, it's still baffling to me. And there's all these very specific rules and they're very black and white about them, which is I think what people find really confusing is that there's these really confusing rules. They're really new and they're also like, there's no compromise on them. So it's confusing, but I mean, it's interesting. It, well, and the, the funny thing about the rules is they're like they're strong, non-compromising rules, but they're all the the premise of them is it's like trigger warning. It's like the title yeah. of your show. Yeah, totally. This idea of this idea that you need a trigger warning that you're such a delicate flower that if I accidentally said something, it could freak you out. Yeah, and I think that it's sort of like. It's a combination of things because uh, there's this whole rhetoric about like these young people being like delicate flowers or snowflakes, which I have a real reaction to. I don't. I don't believe that they are. I don't think that they are. I don't are, think but that I think, they are. But, but why like are they the, making up rules? But that... the rules. When I think when they're taken too far, that's what it sort of feels like. And I think that there's this whole like calling calling out things and like getting like shouting people down for uh, for doing something that you think is offensive, which is sort of counterproductive. Because trigger warnings come from a really great place. I think they, yeah. they're for, you know, people who've been sexually assaulted or whatever or who may actually be triggered by something. And that's, that's a very specific type of thing. But then when it's applied to everything, where it's like, oh, I'll, I'll be triggered by, uh, 
I don't like walruses, so if there's like a video that has walruses in it, trigger warning walruses. It's like, how can you, that's not a, no one's triggered by war, probably someone is, but like, <laughs> you and, can't. And, but the idea that I'm supposed to be able to anticipate that yeah. as, a, as, a, as just a person who's having a conversation, forget about as we as performers have to... Well, now be on alert. Yeah, which is, I mean, it's it's a really strange time. Like, I even, I was doing a gig at a drag king night the other night. Drag king? A drag king. So it's like, a, I am a drag king. So it's like a woman who dresses as a man. A drag queen is a man oh. who dresses as a woman. See, I've been to drag queen things, and they're great. Yeah. And I'm following, what's her name? Dolly Diamond. Oh, yeah. On Twitter. Yeah. Very entertaining. But uh, I drag king. Drag kings. Can, can... Uh, are heterosexual people allowed to go? I'd love to oh, see it. Yeah, I mean, that doesn't happen that much. Uh, drag kings are not Is it not like secret? As, no, it's just like, I mean, they happen like often, I mean, it's a lesbian thing mostly, so it's like they happen in a lot of lesbian spaces and, and stuff like that. But they're also, they're not as popular as drag queens. Like, you've never heard of a drag king. Um, but yeah, they now, exist. Now you, see, now, you see you see what it's like to be a man? Well, no yeah. one gives a shit, no. <laughs> even if you're a king. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, I was at this, I was performing at this drag king night. I was headlining, my face was on the poster. I was in the, all the advertising. People had gone there. They'd paid to come and see and so me. all the kings, do all the kings on this night go on stage and do a little yeah. monologue? Yeah, yeah. Okay. or they do like, a, it's a lot of like singing and dancing. It's like club acts, basically. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm, I talk a, a lot in my act, as you know, so I'm a little bit different. But singing? Um, do you do any singing? I do not sing, no. No, I don't. I'm terrified of singing in public. I wish I could sing. Me too. Aren't you jealous? I would just, if I could just belt at, if I could do my whole act and then just freak them out with some kind of song at the end. That would be amazing. That's what, maybe that's why I'm crying in Moana. I'm just jealous. Yeah. I just wish I could sing like her. But, so I was doing my my act and in it I have a joke about how... How, like, there's a major flaw in the female anatomy because you can't find the clitoris and women are such bitches for being so, like, deceptive with their genitals, basically. Is, <laughs> which, I don't really even know what to say, except, uh, you know, I don't think course. it's their fault. Which is true. Um, so it's, so me dressed as a woman, like, me as a woman dressed as a man in a drag king night. Uh, in which I've already t- kind of like explained to the audience because they're a bit drunk. I'm going like, guys, this is a parody. Obviously, I'm a woman. <laughs> Even after saying <laughs> you that, you've got to spell it out. To yeah, them. sometimes I have to go like, this is a parody. So everything I say, you know, the opposite. Um, and because wow. uh, you know they were drunk, it was late. And these women started yelling out when I was like, there's a major flaw in the female anatomy. And these women started yelling out, there's nothing wrong with the woman's body. I was like. I was so floored. I was like, it's a parody. And they were like, there's nothing wrong with women's bodies. And I was like, I am a woman. And they were going, yeah, but you're being really rude about other women. I was like, what? There's nothing wrong with women's bodies. And then I said, yes, there is. They're disgusting. No, I didn't say that. But it was amazing that. And then I had to kind of explain that not only was I being ironic, and so therefore I meant the opposite of what I was literally saying, but... That the the major irony in the, in the situation was that here I was a queer woman who'd created this character in response to feeling unsafe and vulnerable and unheard and, and in male dominated comedy spaces, and here I was being shouted down by other queer women in a the lesbian space that was supposedly meant to be a safe space for me, and they're the ones who because it's not me. safe if you're if you're that man character doing a satire or who knows it's there's just, so many yeah, different ways uh, that they could have been confused but it just seems it's just it just so, seems like oh my god it's so, so that to me is like it, it's frustrating because you know you see these people especially like young queer people and I, I'm so on their side but they're kind of like you see them cutting off their um, mode of expression which is like a it's a lifeline it's like a it's a genuine refuge, uh, you know, transgressive and subversive work and stuff. And they're, they're going like, you can't say that, you can't do that, and calling each other out. And it's just stressful and difficult for everyone. Well, I mean, the thing, the distinction that I always t- try and make about this stuff, try and make in my conversations about it, is that, that we seem to have lost the, the difference between 
vocabulary and intent. Yeah. And so if someone is using a vocabulary that you don't like, the next thing you need to do is look at their intent. Now, in this case, that you're, it's a satire. Yeah. And then, but then sometimes it's it's just like, hey, maybe they're being front. Maybe it's two people who know each other, and so they're 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 talking this way to each other as a joke. Yeah, and they they mean the opposite thing. And also, you have to look at where people are coming from because a lot of this language is really academic and it's very specific. And if someone gets it wrong, it's not because they necessarily um, are are being offensive or are coming from a bad place, but it may be that they just haven't learnt the term. Because they haven't been to university, or they're old, or they're, you know, from a different place, or, you know, sometimes there's lots of different reasons why people will use the wrong vocabulary, and I think that that sort of uh, understanding where someone's coming from and their intent and having empathy is really important, and it's something that's kind of in the really strident, which I'm all for, like, the activism that's happening, the empathy feels like it's being lost, and that's kind of yeah and it's just well compassion and kindness yeah. which are yeah parts of en- empathy and then also i feel like it's it's a little bit of a lesson to me that you know how security guards are often super more assertive like they're wannabe cops yeah and i feel like there's a wannabe cop in all of us yeah and and this <laughs> this kind of atmosphere now this political correct atmosphere really allows people to indul- indulge their wannabe cop because you know, every if you've suppressed any anger in your life, what you're dying for is an opportunity yeah. to 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 express righteous indignation, to, yeah. to be to just be a righteous champion, where with no holds barred, you can wreak vengeance on wrongdoers. Like everybody is so oh, feels good. ready to do that, and they don't really kind of think like, hey, wait a minute, it's it's actually bullying. Because you, you don't yes, really, it is. you yeah. don't pick those kind of fights. If if you, it's analogy to a to a physical fight, and if you're physically going to fight somebody, there's three kinds of physical fights. There's the kind of physical fight where you know you're going to kick somebody's ass, and if that if you're in that kind of physical fight, you're a bully. Yeah. If you, if you know you're going to kick somebody's ass and you do it, you're a bully. Then there's a the kind of physical fight where you know you're going to get your ass kicked. Now. People generally avoid those, <laughs> but if you get in one of those, you're an idiot. <laughs> and then there's the kind of physical fight where you're not really sure who's going to win. And I would argue that even in that physical fight, you'd be smart to try and avoid it. Yeah. Because you don't know what's going to happen. Try to find a way before you get to the conflict, before the, you know, punches are Right. So, so I feel like it's, we, we all should be exercising our compassion and our kindness muscle in these kind of, when you feel that, when you feel that instinct of self-righteous, uh, anger, I feel like instead of unleashing it, you should put yourself on pause just for your own benefit. Yeah. But I mean, I guess it's also the thing of like looking at where people are coming from is that also those people who are going to these very kind of indignant, righteous, uh, angry responses are actually coming from a place where they're sort of frustrated and fed up as well and see that that's the only way to go with that as well. So it's kind of, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's I think it's a really interesting time and I think that there's really interesting stuff going on. I sort of know where I sit kind of ethically in the way to engage in those things and I don't think that like calling people out all the time and uh, shouting people down is ever really useful. But I do understand where it's coming from. Uh, I just, I don't think it'll happen forever either. These things kind of happen in waves. So it'll be really interesting to sort of see what happens later. But as a comedian, it's really, it's really difficult because it's like if, if I'm communicating through comedy, there's like a whole layer of, of the, of, it's like the distance between your vocabulary and your intent that sometimes is the whole it's where the joke happens. And right, so right. if your yeah. own, if everything is so literal, then it's like, how do I communicate through <laughs> with you through comedy? If you're going to just be looking at like one very literal level, it's like, it's impossible. And maybe they, those people just never laugh. <laughs> I don't know. Well, or they haven't thought it through. Like, yeah. well, I don't know what kind of comedy show you think you can go see because, jokes are surprises they're all little magic tricks of yeah. language like you didn't think i was going to say that you thought i was you didn't know what i was going to say and that's what i said i said a surprise thing yeah 
And so if there's no surprise in what I say, if you always know what I, I'm going to say, then that's not a comedy show anymore. That's no. just not, it's not even an interesting speech because you <laughs> no. know, you know it. <laughs> yeah. It's, I think it's a really, yeah, it's a really difficult, um, and weird <laughs> time. I mean, that's why, you know, that's why my show's called Trigger Warning. I think it's really, it's oh, That's one of the other things I loved about the, uh, First of all, I don't know that that many people who listen to this will come see it, so maybe it's a spoiler alert, but that you give the list of trigger warnings at the beginning, well, and, and when you're watching the show, you think, oh, those are just ridiculous, that's a silly list of non-sequiturs, and then yeah. they all happen. Yeah, it's and just... then they become callbacks. And it's also that thing of, like, them being, like, exactly what you said, of, like, they're meant to be surprises, and then Dave gives, has to give his trigger warnings, and then it's like, oh, they're also all my punchlines. But because he has zero <laughs> credibility, you don't, I mean, it works... Like, you don't realize that he's actually done it. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's, <laughs> Thank it's you. really good. Um, so, hey, talk a little bit about how you've seen uh, the, differ the difference in the audiences in Australia, even even from your... Are you based in Sydney or are you based yeah, in Melbourne? Sydney. Oh, so you're based in Sydney. Sydney. Yeah. So Sydney to Melbourne and then, uh, and then how, how, what you've experienced going over to the UK and here in the States. Um, I haven't done a lot of stuff in the States. So, I mean, I came out here, I did a bunch of gigs in New York like five years ago um, and that was fun. Um, I feel like I, get, I always get asked that question and I don't really feel a huge difference. I feel like every night is different different and I feel like every audience is kind of different although I do I don't know if you feel like I feel like the audience is just the one it's just one person that exists as an entity like the audience and I feel like when I go out and see them I'm like oh it's you again like like I feel like I feel like it's the same audience they're just in a different mood so that's I, interesting yeah I kind of feel like I mean my longest relationship is with the the audience so um, yeah, yeah me too yeah, yeah so but, I'm, but I mean I feel like right. I know them pretty well like I know how they react and you know if they react in one little way one night I'll be like oh well you'll do this differently later so um uh, because I have such a st strange uh relationship with audiences I I don't feel like it's different in different places like obviously the local references and things are different but yeah, I don't know. I feel. What do you reckon? Like, do you find it really different? I think. I, yeah, I, I think do. It would be hard for me to define it, though. But I was talking about this. I, I did uh, another guy that I met in Melbourne, who's a English comic, uh, Carl Donnelly. Did you meet Carl? Yeah. yeah, yeah, I do know Carl. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he he does a podcast, and his podcast partner was in town, who's named Chris Martin, who I think is the same name as the guy in Coldplay, right? Is that Chris Martin? I think so, yeah. Yeah, anyway, so I was talking to Chris earlier this week about this experience, because he's over here in the States now doing stand-up, and mm. my experience in going, particularly to Ireland and then London, but but also, also in Australia, was that uh, I'd be watching the comics from the place on stage, yeah. and I, I've been doing stand-up a long time. I know how jokes work. So, I mean, I went to see Will Anderson's show in Australia, and his show was 85% po Australian politics. Yeah. But I figured I, I could still understand, oh, he's talking about a guy who's similar in the States to a guy who we have called Rush Limbaugh, so yeah. this is a joke about that kind of a guy, and then the other person in the joke must also be a politician who agrees with that. So, you, you know, you could kind of yeah. retranslate it. But I'm not even talking about that. I'd be, I'd be over in Ireland or London and listening to a comic tell a story about something that's completely universal, experience with their wife, going to the bank, getting stopped by a police officer, something like that. Yeah. And... They, they're saying something, and the audience is, get, they're getting a laugh that I would put on a scale of 1 to 10 of like a 10. And to me, it's like, boy, that joke to me is funny. I get it. Yeah. But I, th I think that joke's a 7. What's up with this audience that they think that's a 10? And so that's slightly weird. And I don't mean that insulting towards the comedians. It's just, no, it's it's just, it's just the, like an observation. Yeah. And then I'd go on stage, and I would do my show, and then I'm doing a joke that is a 10. I know it's a 10 because I've done it for a year in the United States yeah. and this is this is one of the greatest hits of my hour long show and it's 
it's getting seven. <laughs> and I just couldn't figure it out. And I definitely I had that experience in uh, Melbourne last year, too, with some, some jokes. Like, the audience liked them. But they weren't they weren't the blockbuster showstoppers. Yeah. And then other things that I would say kind of offhand yeah. about what was going on, that would be like, oh, that was brilliant. <laughs> it's like uh, Yeah, I mean I think it's it's always so different, but things. it's yeah, it's I think it's I always find because <laughs> I'm only doing one show in uh LA and New York, I know that I will probably not enjoy them that much because the, I always find the first show in a new place is really like mm. Like it's the same show. It's the same for the audience, but for me, I feel super conscious of of working out what the different rhythms are because I feel like the the rhythms of laughter are different in like a different right. place. And yeah, right. like essentially what you're saying, they'll laugh in different places with, with different ways. But because my show's so weird as well, and it's not kind of like set up punchline, set up punchline. People laugh in really strange places all the time, right, anyway, right. and so they're always kind of difficult to um work out that said there are like you know i know which ones are my, my tens and and whatever yeah, yeah. And, and they yeah it's it, they, they are the audience is different but i don't know in what way and i don't think there's like so much of like a, a british humor or an yeah yeah i so didn't much mean there's a style I, because I, but... yeah because i feel, feel like we all you know the internet is such a massive thing and like television we all watch sort of the same tv shows and stuff now and in those places you know Australia, yeah. England, America, they're, they're pretty similar. But who knows? I could get up tomorrow and uh, ask, <laughs> ask me on Friday. Well, I'll I can't like, wait. I, wish I, I like, wish I was going to be in town. I'm so bummed out that it turns out the one night that you're here, I'm going to be I out. I mean, it would be, I, you've got to come back and do a longer run of maybe your next show. Well, we'll see. We'll see how it we'll goes. See. Yeah, see how it goes. <laughs> we'll see well, I definitely I might know my wife and neighbors and some other friends are going to be there tonight. Oh, and then I've got some people coming in New York to see it too, I think. So uh, hopefully you'll have a great turnout. Thanks, man. And it'll be super fun. Uh, and, and like I say, I just, I'm so sorry that I'm going to miss it, but I'm so sorry. I'm so glad I got to see you. Yeah, this has been great. Yeah, yeah. And it's great to, for us. I don't know what it's great for whoever's listening. Think, oh yeah, well yeah, we've got that good bit about the chest hair. That's interesting. Yeah, that was People good. That was early. That was that early up. on. That was early. That on. was early then on. Then we talked about identity politics. I feel like that's good. Yeah, I think that's good. <laughs> it gets me a little political credibility. You know, because yeah. I am the guy. It's supposed to be so cake for me. Yeah, well, right? you're the guy. You're I'm the... a white. What do they call it? Cisgendered. Cis- cisgendered yeah. man. Yeah, I'm married to. I think my wife might have had an experience with another lady in the past. So she I went mean, to. She I'm, went pay, to I'm being a little cagey. I think she did it. <laughs> I'm pretty positive, but uh, that's just exciting for me. That makes me even more cisgendered. I think. Yeah. 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 yeah that's. I don't get even any more so. For that. And in many ways, you're like it's like you kidnapped her. Stole her away. Yeah. You yeah. Made stole the, her away. The world a, a worse place. One less lesbian. Hmm. Yeah. I. Uh, <laughs> I've I've had really positive experiences with lesbians. I have to say, in my friendships in the world, we're great people. But you don't have access to all of them as a cisgendered man. There's a whole secret group of lesbians that only associate with other lesbians. You don't get to really hang out with them that much. Yeah, I don't think you'd want. Wouldn't to you say? Much. Yeah, yeah. They're the ones that scream at your show when you're pretending to be a man. Yeah, yeah. I don't really hang out with them that much either. I think yeah. if I'm a. Yeah. Yeah, but it's supposed to be so easy for me, so it's nice for me to have those conversations where I can figure out ways that I might fuck up later when I'm out on the street. Yeah. It's just me, all by myself. I know, because you're not allowed to have an opinion at all now. Yeah. (laughs) Well, you just got to be careful. I mean, I'm not complaining. It's been such a piece of cake for white guys for so long that I'm not complaining, but it has gotten slightly more tricky lately. Yeah, which is good, isn't it? Because it means that you have to be sort of like smarter and cleverer. Hey, fingers crossed, maybe we'll be oppressed one day. Yeah, who knows? Maybe you are right now. I mean, I'm sure there's like oh, tons I of guys I out go there going, like, God, you know who's the real, the real oppressed minority? Bloody straight white men. I'm no, sure. No, that's, that's on. You know that's on, right? That. Yeah. The well, men's men's rights activist. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah so MRAs. that's a, that's already got a it's got a name. Yeah, it's a real I'm not thing. joining up with those jerks. That's not a fun meeting. That's the thing. The the angry good. white guy meetings are so shit. You know, like, I would love to go to a drag queen, drag king night. Those, they seem like so much 
fun. It's people like enjoying themselves. Well, they used to be before people started shouting. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess. Well, that's just one. Maybe I think no. that's an. Yeah, that an was. Anomaly. It was a weird. It was a weird. Experience. But I feel like all the things that just white guys do by themselves are not. They're not fun. You know, they're not a laugh. They're they're like serious. Like go into an NRA meeting or something like yeah. that. Yeah. And I get that there, now there's women listening going, well, like, what about me and my gun? You know, because we, there are, I think yeah. NRA was maybe a bad example. National Rifle Association. Well, yeah. I mean, strip clubs, that's it. Like, strip clubs at lunchtime, isn't that what you guys all do? Mm. Like, no, I've never done that. You get out, like, a big cigar. Oh, and man, there was, there's a strip chew club. Chew on a giant turkey leg. There's a strip club in Minneapolis. I think it's called a, it's a part of a chain called Deja Vu. Oh. And, the, yeah. That's a... Yeah, we are, I'm here again. <laughs> yeah. Hey, don't I know you? And their their slogan is hundreds of great looking girls and one ugly one. No. Yeah, it's oh. a joke. <laughs> and they had a big banner up outside that was sponsored by a beer company for lunch. Yeah. With you know what the special they had at the strip club for lunch was? No. Hot dog buffet. <laughs> a sausage party. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So I find strip clubs, I, have, I never kind of got into it. It's just too sad. Have you ever eaten at a strip club? No, I haven't. I've never eaten. I've been to strip clubs a couple of times, like literally a couple of times. Um, but I've always, I've always imagined, like they, they always have food. Like it's like you can eat there. And I always imagine like, imagine eating at a strip club. It feels so. It doesn't it's feel like, like what you want to do. No. It's like having a glass of wine in a toilet or something. It's just like. It just seems wrong. Yeah. Although it would totally make sense if you could eat, if you sat on a toilet and ate and smoked cigars at the strip club and you could just do everything. Yeah. I mean, it just feels like this just sort of horrible, lawless, like, it's not really what, it's not really what you want. Like wings. You you don't just want to look at naked ladies. You want to interact with naked ladies. I mean, that's why you're going to the strip club is because something's gone wrong in your life. You're not... (laughs) You're not able to see naked ladies, and so you go to the strip club. Like, look, at least I can see a naked lady. At least I can see these naked ladies, and there's a hot hot dog buffet. Yeah, and I love hot dogs. I love hot dogs. Hey, I'm just here for the buffet. And it's funny. Let's face it. I'm not an animal. I I get it. It's a joke. Hot dog buffet at the strip club. Yeah, Ah, ah. yeah, it's good. And one ugly one. That's a good line. (laughs) (laughs) This turned into an ad for that strip club. Yeah, I don't. I'm not going to see that that terrible overly wanky intellectual sounding comedy show but you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna head to deja vu in minneapolis i'm gonna go to that strip club in minneapolis i think it's a chain i think there's more than just that one i think there are other parts of the country is that why it's called deja vu because you hit you'd like you go like hey isn't there i feel like isn't there one of these in minneapolis and then you it's like the same place i think but, yeah do they look the same inside I would imagine they would. They if it's have that here. I don't know that they have the. Do you have chains of hotels in Australia? Like here, you can go like to like a travel lodge or a, or um, or a Holiday Inn Express yeah. or there's a there's a Hyatt version of that kind of, and the rooms look so the same. Like I've stayed in a, I've I stayed in the one in Tampa, and then I was in another one in philadelphia or something and when you're in the room you can't tell what city you're in deja vu yeah it's spooky that's the that's the deja vu experience if there was a naked lady in there and a hot dog buffet (laughs) you'd be sad (laughs) i think i'd rather have the hot dog buffet than the naked lady a lot of time most times i think just i would keep those things separate yeah 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 well solid advice thanks for coming by do you want to I feel like we're. I feel like we're at a good. I feel like this. I think that's a good cadence. This is a good. Yeah. So I usually like a high five at the end. Are you up for it? Yeah. All right. Oh, that was so good. Now, a thing that I say at the end all the time, so I'm saying it now, is don't give up. There'll be plenty of time to give up later, and I'm completely serious about that. All right. Thank you, and goodbye. But not or, what do you say? until we meet again. There's a yeah. there's a French way to say that. Or, well, au revoir. Au revoir. Is that it? I, I think know. so. Bon voyage. <laughs> bon appetit. Those are all good. Bon appetit, bon voyage, au revoir. Déjà vu. Déjà vu.
I said, I said, I said, I 